you be a good man. Father, I, I will be a good man. You make your daddy proud. You hear me? I'm gonna make you proud, daddy. I'm gonna make you so proud. You made your daddy proud. You're gonna be so proud. 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 Hello, listening people. Hello. Hi, Bartek. How are you? Good, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, Daddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would like. So we uh, spin Polish likingly because we're always spinning. We're both Polish and we talk about the movies. At least that's what I think we do, Bartek. Can you confirm or deny that we, in fact, talk about feature films? Uh, confirmation equals positive. One day we may break the rule and not talk about a feature film, but talk about a like a short film. Mm-hmm. They don't count as feature films. They're like short. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I think, I think they have to be like 40 minutes to be considered a movie. I don't know. I'll have to ask Scorsese. He's the master of what is and isn't cinema these days. So, Bartek, we are doing Pictures Power, the show in which we talk about a movie that has come recommended. The recommendation has fallen upon you for this week. It will fall upon me for the next and fall upon the listening people for the one after that. Yes, listening people, we do take your recommendations for movies. Bartek, you recommended a very... uh. Divisive film. Yes, very, very divisive film. The film that I picked is 2001's... It is 2001, right? Yes. Yes, I got it correct. Some people say it's the second worst thing to happen in 2001. Oh, yes, I have heard that. Uh, (laughs) It is Freddy Got Fingered, a movie by Tom Green. The Tom Green. The Tom Green. Now, we have a guest for this episode. If people listened to the last episode, we actually referenced this person that's in the room. Yes, we are joined by Tom Green. <laughs> no, we are joined by a good friend and a formerly frequent guest until pandemic came along, Reese McKenzie. Hi, Reese. Daddy. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> thank you, Daddy. Uh, thank you for having me back. It's been a while, hasn't it? Make me proud. I shall. Proud. Make me proud. <laughs> proud. <laughs> Banana. Proud. So, Freddy Got Fingered, for those who are unfamiliar with this movie, Bartek, what is the general plot of it? How would you best sum up the movie for those who who need a refresher and or those who are listening and they want to be sold on the movie before we get into spoiler discussion about it? Because obviously we're going to be talking about the the nitty-gritty details and we always recommend that people watch the movies, but I just want to hear you you try. Yes, sure. So the plot, if you insist on knowing about the plot, is that we have a character named uh, Gordon Brody, known known as uh, Gord throughout the film. He wants to be an animator and he wants to impress his dad and he goes through a lot of hijinks to uh, achieve this goal. But when talking about Freddy Got Fingered, you don't typically uh, talk about it in terms of what its plot is. You, you talk about it in terms of what it is, I guess? Mm. Well, what is it? Like... It's not really about the plot. You just really talk about what happens in it. Like It's, yeah, it's a shock humour movie. Yeah. Shock humour. Wikipedia calls it an experimental comedy. <laughs> it's oh, a no, Dadaist movie. It's a surrealist experimental Com- yeah, comedy. Yeah, neo-surrealism, I think was the term they use for it. 
the big reason, one of the discussion points that you've, one of the things that you've brought this episode here is it's infamous as being one of the worst mainstream Hollywood comedy movies. Yeah. That is its legacy. That is its reputation. But it also has this streak to it of, no, it's a misunderstood film. You see, Tom Green is actually doing an elaborate joke on the filmmaking process and us, the general viewer. But that is the plot. The plot is um, young 20-something. He's 28. 28, Guys, he's a 28-year-old man. He's a 28-year-old man who has dreams in the uh, artistic field. But, of course, his stern, conservative dad who doesn't see any point in these doodles wants to hammer him into just being a working-class guy like him. And, of course... Tensions arise and comedy set pieces ensue, but it's Tom Green, who is a crazy individual, especially at this period of time, in terms of his approach to comedy. And he takes the... And I disagree. This 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 film is very much story-centric. But it's the way that Tom Green applies his anarchic weird comedy sensibilities to what is very tradition uh, a very traditional comedy movie from this period of time this could have been an adam sandler film but you place uh. in tom green's insanity instead of adam sandler's and you get this movie instead really there's very little you have to tweak for it to just be a normal gross out 2000s comedy mm-hmm. i feel like if it was an adam sandler insanity piece if we call it that it would have it wouldn't have gotten its r rating no but here's the thing too that uh, to further get into it is tom green is um 100% insincere in a glorious way while adam sandler pretends or has forced sincerity in all of his movies hence one of the big jokes in this film freddy got fingered is you go from this crazy situation, like blood and guts everywhere, and then it immediately goes to Maudlin and the music plays. And we've covered Jack and Jill on the podcast, and that's that movie. Well, you have a scene that's like fucking incredibly racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever. And then the character that was the, the bigot in the room gets a little teary-eyed scene, and we have to feel fucking sorry for them. <laughs> and it's because, you're right, no R rating for Sandler in that regard. But it's, Sandler has this forced sentimentality Tom Green doesn't but I say I disagree with it not being story centric because it is this crazy stuff being forced into the three act 2000s gross out comedy structure and that's what's kind of weird about it but before we delve further into this if you have not seen the movie we're going to talk about it properly spoilers and all if you have not watched it watch it for yourself you may love it you may hate it you may despise us but I say that Freddy Got Fingered is a movie you should experience yourself and then come back and listen to people justify why it's a masterpiece or further add to the uh, dialogue of it being justifiably one of the worst comedy movies ever made. Bartek, what's your history and relationship with this film? So this was a film that I hadn't seen until a few years ago. Like, even mm-hmm. when we started the podcast, I mentioned this last episode, we did our episode on Meet Dave, and, like, Reese brought up the daddy would be, like, some sausage scene. Mm-hmm. And it was just this bizarre thing of, like, oh, that sounds like a silly film. Yeah. Um, but even outside of that, I had heard mentions of, like, Freddy Got Fingered as being this, you know, awful movie, but nothing specific. 
Mm. So it was just this film that I had in my mind, which has a you know kind of provocative title, like a character mm-hmm. gets fingered, and it's apparently a comedy, and it's apparently one of the worst. So when one day I was in cash converters and I saw it for two dollars, I said, "Hey, I have two dollars." <laughs> And you watched it? I bought it, I watched it, and then immediately I went to the special features to watch it again with the audio commentary, just to <laughs> like further get into what this film was. <laughs> to the mindset. Yeah. If there is any. And what was that experience like, the commentary? I, I, I don't have this on DVD, so I didn't get that experience. Is it is it just him being an asshole? Because I can't imagine Tom Green <laughs> seriously sitting down being like, yeah, so um, when I did this scene, what my intention was, I can't see him doing that. It's been a few years since I've listened to that commentary, but I remember it being kind of like that. It was basically, <laughs> I remember it him being just explaining his thought processes for every scene. Wow. And I remember one recurring notion is talking about how he's basically substituting normal, you know, Hollywood cliches mm. and romantic platitudes with, you know, his own style of humor. So, like, all of the references to blowjobs by his girlfriend in the film. You know, those were all stand-ins for generic, cliche, romantic platitudes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you enjoyed it by the sounds of it. You enjoyed it enough to at least, or experience, yeah, you got an experience enough to want to go to the behind-the-scenes special features commentary track, is that right? Yes, yes. It, it's a film that, if I say I love it, it's mostly out of the fascination of it that something like this can exist. And and why is that a fascinating thing, like, this existing? I always thought of this film as being the film where the person who made it in every single moment or in almost every single moment thought to himself, what is the dumbest possible thing that can happen in this scene right now? You know, damn any sort of consequences or necessity. Mm. And it just feels like for most of this film that is being achieved. Like, you drive by a horse, you notice its penis. What's the dumbest thing? Oh, why not go wank it off while shouting, I'm a farmer daddy? I gotta ask, why is this still unique when you're such a big fan of Trey and Matt from South Park, where you could say that they do just the stupidest, most extreme, random left turn kind of humor as well? I I feel like with them, in a lot of cases, they have a sort of like satirical point to all a lot of what yeah. they're doing. Like with the one I just, it's, it's connected. Like, to something that's recently happened in, like, the news or the mindset. or uh, like, uh, Tom... de- Definitely, like, yeah, the more recent stuff. But... Yeah, but Tom Green is just, he's not trying to, I don't think he's trying to make a point. I think he's just like, <laughs> how extreme can we take this set piece? So, when, when you had that episode of Cartman where he, he, he shoved food up his ass and pooed out his mouth, what was, what was a satirical statement on society happening there? Well, Ryan, <laughs> you clearly you clearly haven't seen Sallow. <laughs> you got me there. The Holocaust movie, thank you. So, but I disagree. I think Tom Green is, Bartek even just said in a moment ago, he has satirical points being made, but whether you think the whole film is making a specific satirical point is the debate, but I, I disagree with the idea that there are none yeah, in I don't the movie. I don't think it is just Tom Green saying, how extreme can we go? I think that's definitely a part of the film, of course it is we're not going to have an argument about that but i i think that there is specific creative intent behind the madness but i bring up trey and matt because they have the similar arguments thrown at them you've heard it i've heard it Mm -hmm. i've even made it on this podcast at certain points but we tolerate them because i guess they've endured they've stayed around their award winners tom green has faded away 
I mean, he's still around. I mean, he, he's a pioneer of podcasts. He was doing it kind of before most people were. And, um, you know, and he's a great... He's actually a gr- good interviewer. I really like Tom Green's interviews. But um, I bring it up because, yeah, we like them. But what about them steps above this? Yeah, I guess they just have more work behind them and they have endured and... I guess they're more well known. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe that is it. Maybe they had the building blocks for us to get ready for them because I think most people it's... either knew Tom Green from his MTV show and his Canadian Small Access show, and then other people just got hit with Freddie Got Fingered and like, who is this? I don't know what this is. But you had Trey and Matt; they had success with South Park, and then you build up from South Park. You get the movie for South Park, obviously, and then you go on to do other films that are, may not be written by them, like Basketball. But then, and Orgasmo's a film that they also did early on, and then you build up and build up to eventually you can do something like Team America. But if they were like started straight out the gates with like this kind of Team America, and that was, like, the only thing that we knew them for would be, like, this crazy fucking, like, what the fuck was that? Even though that's a really well-made movie that has a point, I think it's, like, a part of it is we as a society have built up a tolerance and understanding of what their ideology and how they work, but Tom Green is, like, is he saying anything in Freddy Got Fingered? Is there a satirical point? I don't know Tom Green well enough at this point Mm. in his career, and now, later on, I feel like I do understand who Tom Green is a little bit more. As he's gotten older, he's been a bit more open and honest and talkative. I think I do have a deeper understanding of him as an individual, but when I watched Freddy Got Fingered to get in my history, I couldn't even get through it all. I was like, I I didn't have the context of anything. I didn't understand what he was trying to do. I didn't understand who he was. I didn't really know any of the actors. And I did walk into it knowing that this is apparently one of the worst comedy movies ever made. And that was a bias that was dragged into it. Um, Now, having watched it fully for this podcast, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very funny. I only have a few issues with the movie, surprisingly. I don't think this is the worst comedy we've done on the show. I think... Jack and Joe can definitely take that over this. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I, I think I have a deeper understanding of, of Tom Green. My appreciation for when I came back to this movie was was obvious, but also Matt and Trey are trying to do actual comedy. I think Tom Green here is doing a, a variation of anti-comedy stuff like Eric Andre does now, or stuff like Tim and Eric do, or Neil Hamburger, and they're all specific tastes, whether you you either fucking love those guys, or you cannot abide by them. And can you imagine being someone doing this type of humor where there's no one else around doing it in this manner? And not only that, but doing it in a feature film for Fox? That's fucking nuts! That's fucking nuts! I can't, like... Imagine if Eric Andre, 20, like, 15 years ago, made one of these type of, like, this type of movie. You, you, we would all hate it, but now he can make one of the, Eric Andre made a movie last year and people really liked it. Yeah, but it would it, if he did the same thing as Tom Green did back in 2001, it would have copped the same amount of hate, right? Yes, and but does that invalidate the form? No, but it makes it makes him a pioneer. Tom Green is a pioneer of whatever he's made. Whatever this, yeah. whatever this sponge cake of a movie is, basically, you know, yeah. it's a different kind of cake, I have to admit, but it is a movie to be admired for the rest of eternity now. 
And we haven't talked about the English gentleman that's looming over the room, Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm-hmm. Borat comes out a few years, uh, several years later, but we also had Ali G in the house, which... Just a year after, I think, yeah. Which is considered to be a very bad movie, and that doesn't work. People don't really care for that movie that much, because it's doing kind of similar things, but the difference is, having watched Ali G in the house... Is that the name of the movie? Yes. Yes, I couldn't remember if that's the name of the show. It's the, the Ali, Ali G, G show. show. Yep. I think the difference with that is... Sasha Baron Cohen had his wacky comedy character that he put onto real people. Yes. And they made it into a conventional-ish... Yeah, scripted film. Scripted film. And Tom Green is the exact fucking same, where he had his MTV show where he was a man on the street and he was doing his things at people. You throw him into a Hollywood movie... And instead of being like Sasha Baron Cohen, in which it's like, oh, well, how would the, uh, how would the Ali G character, like, who are his friends, and who are his enemies, and let's make a, a romantic situation for him, and blah, 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 blah. Instead, Tom Green's like, now let's do this exact same Hollywood thing, except for let's get all of those aspects, the, the girlfriend, or the, 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 the evil antagonistic figure, or the character's aspirations, and completely turn it up to Leventy Stupid, in which it just, it's like, you stretch the elastic band until it fully breaks, and and you kind of have to admire the, <laughs> the sheer force of will. Um, what's your history and relationship with Freddy Got Fingered, Reese? So, Freddy Got Fingered was a movie that's been, what's what would I say? It's been, it was always getting out of my way. And I was very curious about this movie because my cousin, that's his mm. favorite movie. He loves Freddy Got Fingered. Now, my cousin is the guy who grew up with MTV. Yep. The channel itself. And he grew up in a very good time to be watching MTV. This is when it was ultra popular. This yeah. We're talking 2000, 1999. Yeah. The time when anybody would be watching MTV. Mm. So, massive Tom Green fan, watched the show and had the DVD lurking in his room. I wasn't allowed to watch it. Yeah, because it's an R-rated movie. Yeah. When I finally got to watch it the first time, I couldn't get through it. Nah. I just thought, this is a piece of shit. If I, be, <laughs> if I just say it up front. Do I'm... you remember what moment turned you off? Um, it wasn't a moment. It was like, it was dragging for me. Yeah. Just like, why? I can't. Usually, I thought it would have <laughs> this. This sort of movie would be shorter, but because yeah. MTV, it's Fox, it's Tom Green. Surely, it would not drag. That's what I'm <laughs> thinking. No, it it felt like it dragged that time I watched it. So mm. I I did give up. I, I did. I gave up at the fuck your daddy scene where <laughs> I, remember, I remember I remember very vividly. I was like, oh, you know what? I've had I've had enough because I got really tired at that point. Of this is the bit where the mum comes in and she's like. And then she leaves like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> and then um, I watched it not too long ago. And then I watched it again for this podcast. And I I was able to get through it better. I was able to understand you... a lot of things a bit better, if I may say. I, I can't believe he's talking like this. On the Meet Dave episode, I re-listened to our section on it. And you were like astonished that I didn't like the movie. And then you were like, well, I, well, Ryan... It is an acquired taste, and it's a taste that I quite enjoy. And I'm like, what? And now you're coming in all these years later, and you're telling me like this story where it sounds like only today's viewing <laughs> is the one where you actually kind of liked it? 
Like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because so, Bartik's the one who minute. reminded me that we wait talked about it on the pod. So I go back so, and listen, and you're like, well, Ryan, in a way, not, I'm, I'm being hyperbolic, but in a way, it felt feels like you're I, like, well, Ryan, you just don't get the art. And now you're coming in going, <laughs> oh, you know what? Okay. I, did, I didn't get the art right either, so here I am. Your Honor, um, just just one uh, thing before we close this case. Um, yeah, overall. I, I did say that. I was just trying to give the movie a little defence... <laughs> A little defense. <laughs> a little defense. Oh, so you're being a devil's advocate. I was being devil's advocate for Freddy Goffinger, even though I, I, I kind of <laughs> knew I was going, a, I was going into the dragon's den saying that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it is an acquired taste still. So yes, I'm going to start out the gate with my negatives because oh. I actually have surprisingly few of them. Um, my main issue comes with, uh, and I think of three or four scenes where Tom Green, as a comedian and director, doesn't know how to end a scene, so it kind of just stops happening, and or a character falls over, but most most often just screams, and that's the end. And there's just a few too many moments like that where I was like, uh, okay, this is a really good scene. I really like this scene. And then, and then, what's going to be the kappa? Oh, it's just a scream. Someone screamed. My least favorite, like my, my least favorite moment, and that perfectly encapsulates this is the first Drew Barrymore scene. I really like that scene. I I liked the bit where he was hitting on her. I really liked it. But then she turned into Tom Green's character back at him, and it felt like oh, because she was dating him at the time, and. It felt, and then you see the end credits, and you kind of see that they're 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 trying to be weirdos to one another. Mm-hmm. And that was like my least like, and that's an example of one of my least favorite moments in which, and it just ends with her just being like screaming and yelling and running away, and him screaming. And I was like, there there are many scenes where it ends with screaming that I do enjoy, but that's just an example of where it felt like they didn't know how to end the scene. And they just felt like, oh, what would be funny? Oh, how about if you don't. I mean, narratively, she has to reject his offer, so that way when he does get the acceptance later, it hits better. But the way it was presented felt very um, sloppy to it, me. And there were several didn't... moments like that. Only like three or four, uh, but that was yeah. one that really stood out to me. That one didn't play into like the main, I guess, point of the scene of that Tom Green's character is, you know, an asshole. Like, it, yeah. it was just a scream. Like, even when she was angry and about to scream... She was still kind of trying to be the same upset character. Yeah. yeah, but I didn't like. I understand why the scene's there. It sets up another comedy piece that he will do. Right? Yeah, He's yeah. going to invade Anthony Michael Hall's character in the um, cafe downstairs. Yeah, right? yeah, and it, it sets up it's, quite a lot of things actually. Yeah, but but the, you're right. The way it ends, it's just a, it, it kind of makes you depressed. In you know, just like the way it's just like because she's like, get out. Get out! And she's screaming at him, and it's... I, I didn't feel depressed. I felt like it was just awkwardly portrayed. I feel like Tom should have stood back and said, "No, no, Drew, you need to be more of the straight person in the scene." Because even though Rip Torn is chewing up the scenery, and Julie Haggerty is chewing up the scenery, and his brother Freddie, and a lot of the others, most of them are playing the straight laced person in the scenes with Tom Green, even if they're being cartoony. But she stopped being that and rose even above his cartooniness. And it felt like, no, 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 no. He needs to be the one at that energy. Mm. And it's weird that a minor side note character, and let's remove the fact that it's a famous actress, 
if she wasn't even a famous actress, I would still have this complaint of, you have this random little side thing that comes in, bringing this chaotic energy out of nowhere. And that's how you end this scene. And it did really feel like, Bartek, we've seen this many times when we went to university, we've seen theater stuff. Sometimes people just don't know how to end a thing. Mm. So they just do something random. Yeah, but even outside of university, I've seen performances like that. And that's what that felt like. And there was a few, two, there was like just a couple of those things that happened in the movie that really dragged down my full appreciation of this movie. Because I actually, like I said, I really enjoyed this. I found myself laughing throughout the movie. But there was just one or two moments like that where I'm just like, okay, you didn't know how to end that. So you just screamed or fell over. Or the scene just stops. Like, I really like the restaurant scene. And I like that it does end with the police being like, freeze, motherfucker. But then it just hard cuts to, like, he's already out. And, like, that was kind of funny. But, again, that also ties into another issue I have, which is the film is obviously missing things. There's obviously the studios come in and said, no, 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 take that out, take that out, take that out. And there are so many, not so many, but there is a handful of sequences. Again, it's a handful of things in which I feel like, there's something missing here that would have filled in the the blank space, but we don't got it. We don't have it, and it's either they took it out because it was inappropriate or didn't fit well, or they took it out because you could say it's Tom Green adding to the Dadaist nature of just isn't it kind of funny that he gets arrested and then immediately he's out, and that one worked. But I was saying before we recorded the cheese factory, the cheese um, sandwich factory is my least favorite sequence in the movie because it feels so butchered down. It feels like there was something there. And then I read the trivia. You have Stephen Tobolowsky, who's like a great character actor. And he was apparently going to be in this movie. He, he filmed scenes for this movie in which he's his uncle that runs the cheese factory, um, cheese sandwich factory, and he has like a whole thing and they cut it all out of the movie. And I feel it in that one. I feel that it's cut out. And uh, I want the green cut. I just want the green cut. Where Tom Green's like, I want to do my own cut of the movie. Give him it. Criterion, get on this. <laughs> Would Tom Green be the guy to make it like extravagantly long? Like a Snyder, oh, like a four Snyder hours cut. long? Yeah, like I a Snyder love... cut. Could you imagine? That's the ultimate data. And, 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 you know, and like Snyder, you'll be like, oh, wow, this the pacing feels great in this. <laughs> but if there's more footage and there's more to everything, I think that... It could fix it if if he's given a good editor to work with, yeah, at the, and no studio interference. Oh yeah, of course, it would work. I reckon, like if he was given a chance, I think he would. Would he do reshoots? Oh no, <laughs> where well, he's how long CG is it? it's, it's twenty years old. Deages it's, his face, but would he care? But we can. That's the difference. Well, um, he can't do reshots with ripped torn. That's a, okay. That's, that's true. No, no yeah. CGI. <laughs> Oh, right, yes, would he care? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, would he care? So, um, Bartek, what about you? Did you have any, any... I mean, did you? What were some negatives you had of this movie? <laughs> the idea that you don't is ludicrous. <laughs> I, I guess the question more so is, like, how do you identify the negatives in all of the, the sort of madness you have? Because yeah. it, it is a film where most of the enjoyment I got out of it was just watching it and knowing, like, yeah, this this really exists. A film like this was released by, you said it was Fox, right? Yeah, 20th Century Fox. 20th sure. Yeah, 20th Murdoch. Murdoch released this movie. <laughs> yeah, Regency Pictures also. <laughs> released under the name of a great Australian and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and just... Yeah, the, the the fact that we can have a film like this and it is so 
somewhat incomprehensible and so, you know, id-focused, like, doing crazy things. It's like, well, I can see that this is what he wanted to do, so what do I look for when I look for negatives in a film like this? So did you? So what you're saying is you did find it a level of incomprehensible? And is that a bad thing or a good thing? And not necessarily for the, the, the plot itself, more so just like, oh, you know, why did he go wank off that horse? That, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because... It was just... Because, there. guys... Oh, it's it a just, metaphor, I get it's it. It's an arc. At the beginning, he the, sees a horse with an erect penis, pe- and, he, and he's being told, no, you can't wank off that horse. We don't see him succeed. So that at the end, when he stands up to his dad in the low point of the movie, where he goes to the rising action, he whacks off an elephant successfully because at the first act of the movie, he learned how to whack off animals, but we didn't get to see it. So at the end, he successfully learned and showed and demonstrated he can whack off an animal, an elephant. An even bigger one than the one he failed on. Which then gains the respect of his father. Hmm. And That's we, what happens in the movie. True, the, and we the did... penis is an arc. It's an arc. Yeah, it's yeah. An arc. It, it literally. Made... I mean, it was straight, but it makes... Ra- they are raiders of the lost ark. He is. Well, I don't. I, don't, I, I, I want to keep talking about this incomprehensibility, but I think, <laughs> like, I disagree with the idea that it's incomprehensible in any sort of way. Outside of there are some you can clearly see, like there are scenes that are missing. That way. Um... I think it is. I think it makes sense, but it's stupid. No, I, like I, that's the thing. No, I do understand. Like with that scene, we just came out of the one where you know he had the conversation with his father. They said the word proud a million times, <laughs> and the whole point of that scene was you're now moving out. You're gonna go out and make me proud. <laughs> And yeah. so he goes to a place where people are working yeah. to do a thing with the thing they work with, an animal, and he shouts out, you know, like, "Am I making you proud now, Daddy?" Kind of. I'm thing. a farmer now, Daddy. Yeah, it's it's his. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 his own way of showing I've gone out in the world and I've started to do things that Daddy would have wanted. Yeah, it's it, and the, when I say incomprehensibility, it is going into that notion you were talking about of it's his spin on it. The film yeah. even has a moment where I think it's right at the end after the elephant's been whacked off. <laughs> this is this is going to be an episode of really funny quotes to think back on where. We're, we're talking about Freddy Got Fingered, by the way. I we can't are, believe yeah. we're talking. <laughs> there are people who are listening to this and yelling at me for trying to add some artistic expression to it. Where well, people are like hang, Ryan, hang, hang there's no a... fucking arc. R- there's R- no fucking arc. It's just Tom Green's R- an inappropriate guy who likes to whack off horses, and I'm Ryan. standing here going, "There's an arc to that, actually, Reese." <laughs> Ryan, you're in. You're in the clear because according to Wikipedia, it's a surrealist masterpiece. No. It's getting better reviews in retrospect. Yay! Okay, so you're in the clear. You're in the clear. No one's going to be yelling at you. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> People get really mad if Freddie got fingered. Um, but anyway, what I was saying was there was a conversation between the dad and the son about, like, you know, you, you're always just doing things your own way. And that's kind mm, of the film. I got to ask, was there a joke that was too much for you? Like you said, no, that doesn't work, or that's too offensive, or just that's a bad joke. I didn't find that one funny. I only had one particular one that I was just like, you know, no thanks. And I and I put it down to the missing footage aspect rather than the joke itself, but I, I'll talk about that in a minute. But do you, do you guys have any jokes I, that you like, this I, does not land for me? For, well, I think I know which one you're referring to. It's the cheese scene factory, isn't it? Oh no, I guess. Yes, that one. Um 
Yeah, I mean, that one's just weird, isn't it? It's just like him being like, ding dong. It, it feels very tame compared to the rest of the film. Um, I think it's. I think that one is nonsense because it's like, although he does crazy shit in every other scene, the scene constructs it in which there's an escalation to those insane things that he does, and you can understand in the loosest way that you can in terms of this movie how he gets there, but that is just cuts to him in a car, now him in the cheese factory, and now he's like, ding dong, ding dong. No, my actual one is uh, when Harland Williams breaks his leg, <laughs> and all that insanity happens, and, and Rip Torn's screaming for what I feel is like no reason. That's like, that's where the, that scene loses me, and I feel like there's something in the editing has chopped out, but then it cuts to and I feel like, did I miss a line of dialogue? Did I miss something where it just cuts to now Tom Green's like licking the bone? Yeah. That didn't work for me. It yeah, just, what's the metaphor there? Wh- why? It's, not, it's just not... I just don't just feel good. like there was a build-up, because later on when he does the baby thing, there was a build-up there, and there was like a dynamic with him and Harlan Williams, where Harlan Williams does a thing where he's like, oh no, don't you do that. But that is just like, oh, he just starts licking his bone, and it just felt like Tom, without... With, with going on the idea that this has been chopped to shit, if that is not the case, and he wanted this scene, and this is how it is, it does feel like oh Tom Green just wow just yeah, improvised that one and just thought it would be funny yeah, and maybe, they kept it in. Maybe if he like led up to it by saying I'll disinfect it with my tongue or something. <laughs> and, and maybe we didn't hear it over the screams. Yeah, um, uh, Reese, you're a little bit more of a negative Nancy in comparison to us. What were, were <laughs> any jokes that just didn't hit for you? This is a a bad comedy. Oh, I just hated the whole movie. No, I was trying to be. I was, I was, trying, I was trying to be. A, I was just trying to be a negative Nancy. Um, Nancy Cartwright, people. <laughs> I I did think about what you said about uh, chopping, uh, chewing up the scenery. Sorry, mm-hmm. with, with certain people, Rip Torn, Julie Haggerty, maybe Anthony Michael Hall's character, <laughs> whose name is Dave Davidson. So I can tell Tom Green just did not give a crap. No, 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 no. Why no? No, he's he's a Marvel fan. Is it Marvel? Whereas Bruce Banner and like every character is named oh, like, alliteration. Oh, alliterate. It's a li- he's a superhero. That's what that's. Oh. What. But, it makes sense. Tom Green's all into superheroes. But nonetheless, I did kind of enjoy uh, their performances. That's a positive. Probably the negative thing for me is like it'd be the scene where the uh, the family's in the psychologist's office. <laughs> oh no! I oh, go on, go on. And uh, I think. I think I don't remember how, he, why he did it, but like, just when he said he he fingers my little brother, right? Yeah, yeah. And that just was like, oh no, that's. It kind of just made me just like sigh. I don't know because it was so shocking. It is sho- it's a, it is a shocking thing to do, but for me, I'm just like, ugh, more more insanity in shoes. I was just kind of like exhausted from the insanity. But that's the title of the movie. I know, yeah, I know. But, but, but the ending... I was curious as to why it was called Freddy Got Fingered. I was just Freddy got fingered. I, I, yeah, but I it took that long to get to that. Okay, but, but the thought, end, but the ending of that scene saved it, right? I, <laughs> but I was I was just in I was just sighing just because there's just more to come, and I just felt exhausted. Yeah, an elephant. I just and I was it was a shocking thing to do. I thought, is this really necessary? I mean, no. The title of the movie is Freddy Got Fingered, so there's got to be something about Freddy getting fingered, <laughs> and then him being the only adult in the child. To, 
Sexually molested children's sure. ward, yeah, whatever. And they're, and they're watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, why not? Why not? They're, they're sexually abused children. But yeah, I was kind of exhausted from the madhouse at that point. I'm just like... <sighs> it's, yeah, I don't know. I found that particularly funny. I think what <laughs> sold it to me was Home Green goes insane in that scene. Before he throws the thing out the window and jumps out, when he... Uh, I think what sold that scene to me is the line delivery he had of, uh, he's a child! <laughs> and that sold it. That sold the entire scene because any illusion that this is going to be like a grim, dark, this is a fucked up thing gets thrown completely out the window when he says it like that. So then when it leads to the, 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 the adult doctor, who I think just says, I'm doctor at one point. <laughs> I think she walks up to Freddy and he's like, who are you? And she goes, I'm doctor. Yeah, <laughs> just I'm, so I'm a doctor. Know. I'm doctor. <laughs> um, so when she comes along and they take the adult Freddy to this home for the sexually abused children and molested children and they're playing their music and they're watching checks, it's like, okay, the movie has set up its cartoony logic already, but within this little subplot, which, again, the movie's chopped to shit. You can even see in behind-the-scenes stuff that is clearly more to that story of Freddy in the asylum, but we never got to see it. Um, that, you know, it's truncated, yet it doesn't work in the movie because it is truncated, even though it's the titular, you know, it's the title of the movie, but, yeah, I agree, but that particular scene, I don't know, I think it, in a way, set up the cartoony logic, especially with his line delivery of the, the nature of that little subplot, in which it just goes to this ludicrously stupid degree, um... I loved when he threw out the, the, the little bust out the window. It reminded me of the room when he throws the TV out the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he just exits the scene by jumping out the window. <laughs> you could almost see it as being like, he just wants to get out of the situation. He's not actually going crazy. <laughs> and, 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 and then the dad just yelling, liar! <laughs> but that's a scene that ended properly. Like oh that one ended properly yeah yeah no that one like there are examples of when they're yelling and screaming to end it that do work but there were just a few that I was just like okay like I don't think that was the that was the way to end the scene especially with the Drew Barrymore one where I was like really liking the comedic pacing of him hitting on her but she's like Linda died and he's like yeah we shall bond over the dead lady I mean dead Linda I mean dead lady uh yeah that was <laughs> dead Linda. Dead Linda, and I really liked uh, uh, that. Uh, any other negatives you guys have for this? Um, not so much a negative, but going back to that cheese factory scene, um, when the when yeah. the film begins, it begins with him in bed. <laughs> he's looking at all his his pictures, and he's, he's laughing. He's, he's laughing. <laughs> he's narrating his own or describing them. <laughs> laughing at his own jokes and you really get this sense of like okay first shot of the film he's crazy this is a crazy character who's in his own world he finds his own things funny <laughs> and uh, as the next few minutes of the film go on sorry hold on. as the <laughs> i'm getting you getting choked up <laughs> choked up uh the next few scenes that we get are him kind of doing this and this is exacerbated by the fact that the opening credits are happening him kind of being in his own world, he like leaves the house with his skateboard like a young kid. The like, little yeah. kid says goodbye to him. Bye, Gordon. Chases him a bit. He doesn't get hurt in that scene. One of the only. Yep. Uh, you really get this sense of like, oh, he's like the kid hero of this film that will be following this cool kid. The, and... the grown up with the goatee. Yes, yes. And we learn he's 28, of course. But <laughs> He's a 28-year-old man. Yeah. 
Um, and he goes through like the the shopping mall. Oh, yeah. He's like doing his own hijinks. You know, <laughs> fuck the rules. I I'm in charge. But it's not quite cool because he's like messing things up, and people are yeah. really bothered by him. And he even tries to go through the the, the double doors, and like he I'm, smashes into uh, it. And the negative is what? <laughs> this um, sounds amazing. <laughs> well, again, it's not so much a negative, but like this beginning part of the film is setting up like he's the hero of the story. He's this kind of cool guy. He plays by his own rules, even when other people think he's an absolute lunatic. Yeah. And like the car scene you get the horse whacking off scene then you go to the factory and he does his kind of thing where he's still like when he starts being crazy in that scene it almost feels like a desperation to yeah go back to being the center of attention and the fact that it doesn't work almost feels like this is a albeit really early turning point for oh him. yeah yeah it makes him go back home well, no, no. After that, he goes to the the oh, animator yeah, 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 guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. The so it, it it kind of is like the start of the fall in his own mind. Yeah, I kind of see the scene a bit like that. I know there's obviously a lot of stuff missing, mm. but I think it works sort of in this way. Right. So that's not a negative. You're more commenting on the issue. Commenting I had on there. yeah, like right. finding finding a silver lining in mm. this scene that you think doesn't work. The the worst aspect in terms of the movie structure to me, and this again, I'm gonna have to put it down to there's a Tom Green cut out there is the final bit of the movie in which they get captured there's like a whole hostage thing and it gets wrapped up so 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 quickly yeah it's that you, that if you aren't paying full attention you've you missed how that they've how they've come home because it's just a quick fire line of dialogue from a non-existent character and I and I I feel like that was a bit of a bummer. Like I actually like the ending where the kid gets eviscerated, mm, yes. and they have the clearly badly eighty-yard line from the kid being like, "Daddy, I'm okay," or whatever, <laughs> which was stupid. And of like really patriotic imagery. <laughs> yeah, I like that, but I, I I feel like there was clearly some kind of uh, comedic set piece or something going on with their hostage situation, but it doesn't happen. And since it doesn't happen. It feels so unnecessary for them to get kidnapped in that. I kind of wish that the movie was just uh, him and the dad bond at the end and then they come back home or something. But instead, it's like they get kidnapped and it doesn't work for me. I don't get any laughs out of that sequence. The only laugh I got is uh, from the mum who only gets one funny jo- joke in the movie. You get That's another problem I have. They've got very funny people like Julie Haggerty, who's the mother... And they don't get to do a lot of the comedy. It's a lot of Tom Green and Rip Torn. Harlan Williams gets some stuff here and there, but it's a lot of those two. So I'm a bit bummed that Julie Haggerty gets, like, the moment where she's with Shaq. And she's like, and he's like, what are you doing? My kill my bony does the thing. And she's going, she says the line, like, something along it, something along the line. She says, uh, I'm trying to act like I'm a good mother. That's my boy. And it just makes <laughs> me laugh. <laughs> In that Julie Haggerty voice, you know that 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 very shaky voice that she has, and I and I yeah I didn't appreciate that. Um, you got her, and she is she's she's a reactive force. She's got a thankless role. Yeah, for a woman who has in the past and in the present turned these somewhat thankless uh, maternal roles or the girl roles and added a very quirky, nervous, comedic charm to them. In this, I feel like Tom Green didn't take advantage of her comedic talents like he did with Rip Torn. Gotta remember, he's the director. I feel like he he didn't get the lightning out of her. And we're sitting here going, I'm sitting here going, oh, I love her as an actress, but that doesn't 
that doesn't mean that she got anything really major to do because over the years we've had her appear on the podcast and I've said to Bartek, hey, that's the lady from Flying High. And I go, I've, and always, I always, yeah, I've always forgotten. And I go, oh, and we, you may also remember her as the mother from Freddy Got Fingered. And I always say that think, thinking, well, Freddy Got Fingered is a crazy movie and he's, and she's the mother, so she's got to have some crazy stuff. But then you watch the movie and it's like her crazy stuff happens completely off screen and then you get like one little bit where it's her and Shaq. And it's like, oh, okay. I think her casting was just like a decision, like, well, we gotta, we gotta get as many people as we can. Let's get. Yeah, we gotta we, get a comedy lady. We gotta get a comedy lady who Not understands. Give a comedy. And she's in the movie, and she's she does nothing essentially. Like she's just there. She's just like, oh, stop it, you know. Yeah. That's so, she's that sort of deal. But they could have hired any other yeah. know, actress to do that. They could have got Kitty why, from that '70s show. Why couldn't they get you know maybe just you know an actress that can just play it straight as opposed to. Yeah, you could have got... It would have actually maybe been funnier if you got a traditional sitcom straight-laced mum and put her in that role. But instead, you get a woman who is known for most people as as the funny woman in Flying High. You get her here, and you're not doing anything with her. You're not using that. So it's like, why even bother? Like, I did have a laugh at her reactions to Tom Green berating her about, like, if I was you... I want to fuck and all that. And yeah, that gives yeah. her her journey. But again, that happens off screen, her journey. Yeah, her, it's like her existence adds something to the film because she's the one that the two crazy people love. And yeah, know, yeah. They want to keep her happy. But yeah, the, what does she get to do personally? Yeah, I. Um, but those are my uh, main negatives. Reese, you're a music guy. Yeah. I want to hear your opinion. Do you agree on this? True or false? The soundtrack slaps. Think about it. Thinking. Soundtrack slaps. I think it's a true statement. The soundtrack was fucking great. Yeah. I. Yeah, you know what? I. I have to agree because it's nice, and it's okay. Look, it's. They it's, played the Ramones while he whacked off a horse. <laughs> I. I do think. I do think it slaps because um, they know the music was well placed in the movie. Yeah. At yeah. least, even if it was just score. Well. Ugh. The op- one of the scenes after <laughs> after he skates through the shopping center and it's the sentimental scene, you know, goodbye, son, you're proud, you're proud, proud, proud. humans cars. That scene got a bit awkward at times, just because the amount of sentimentality, the force, yeah, yeah, <laughs> force, uh, it, it forced sentimentality in it's that. A good phrase but, for this uh, one. Yeah, the music does. <laughs> the music does slap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It, it appropriately is used. And but I just wanted to ask because you are a big music guy. Obviously, you have a band. Bartek's a little bit music blind. Well, you mentioned to us before the the podcast that you think Tom Green has a good mind for music. I, what? I like his silly little songs in here, and in his show and whatever. Tom Green has a musical capability, even if it's for little silly one-liner songs. They get stuck in your head. There's a reason why Daddy Would You Like Some Sausage has stuck in people's head. The visuals, but also the way he sings it and what he's doing and the playing. And Backwards Man, I'm a Backwards Man. Backwards Man's been in my head since I first saw the film. And, you know, and, and I think he, he has the the, 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 the a, a talent, maybe limited, but he does have something. And I like how he does bring it into the movie. And, yeah, he's clearly a guy who has a, a taste in music. This is a very early 2000s soundtrack in which you have lots of 80s, 90s, grungy, punky, metally, whatever stuff. Like, you have, oh, here's The Clash. Oh, here's The Ramones. And, oh, we're going to play this. Oh, Iggy Pop's going to be at the end of the credits, but- which was nice. I was like... 
I was watching the credits. I was like, is there something at the end of this? I would just stay with it. I'm enjoying the music. And then Iggy Pop started fucking singing at me. I'm like, whoa, okay. And I, and I actually went, whoa, this makes sense. Of course, of course. Of course Tom Green likes Iggy Pop. Sure. The music supervision for this is magnificent. Mm. Um, but it is a... The, I hate when Wikipedia, you know, it has those little pictures and the captions underneath. Yeah. It calls the sausage scene infamous. It is. I, 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 I don't like that word attached to that scene. I think it's a really well set up scene. <laughs> it's a really good, it's a, because <laughs> yes, dad, set up. dad and pa- mum walk in unsuspiciously and you, they just see sausages hanging from strings and... Well, yeah. Well, that's only a part of it. And, and, I mean, you had the yes. whole Harlan Williams coming in to give, like, what the fuck is and this? And don't forget, that was also a payoff to the previous scene where the girlfriend told him, you know, you should listen, listen to some music. Mm. You know, eat while you're writing. And he takes that literally and, like, okay, how do I do all three at the same time with yeah. me playing the music? Before I ask one of the most big, heavy questions that's going to be a, a major topic point... Let's just quickly go around the room and talk about a, a specific gag or line or moment that really got us laughing or smiling or really, really hit to the core. Bartek, you've got a smile on your face. I think you know what one you got. Um, well, since we were just talking about the music thing, I like that when he got inside the animal, they played that that song that was in that old Coca-Cola ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to buy them. <laughs> just this very sweet sounding soft song for an <laughs> absolute thing. for an absolutely gory thing and earlier when gory you thing. Are, gory thing gory thing earlier when you asked was there anything that didn't, that didn't work for me i didn't really have an answer but i think maybe the first time i was a bit more queasy at gory stuff so maybe some of the stuff in this film that had you know blood in it might not have worked but this time you know it was all fine for me so so you got a real kick and laugh out of uh more the production side of the film giving you a laugh like the choice of music with the juxtaposition of the visuals more so than tom green saying a line in a weird manner Well, d- definitely they there was stuff like that, but just since we were talking about the music, I wanted to bring up that point. To talk about a production joke, though, one of my favourites, and I don't know if it's a joke, I'm hoping it is, mm-hmm. but every now and then in the Drew Barrymore scene, the first one, although I did love the end of her where she got thrown by Rip Dawn into oh, the barrels, yes, that was really right. good. Seeing Drew Barrymore get decimated was great, but... Every now and then when she got really sad, it would cut to her and the color grading was completely wrong. It was like dark (laughs) blue and weird. And then it would cut back and it would be like normal movie. And I don't know if that was just he fucked up or if that was a joke, but it made me laugh. It made me laugh. I can't deny. I had a a chuckle. A physical gag that did make me laugh was... The whole scuba diver thing in the shower. He found treasure. (laughs) I think the the fact that he, that Rip Torn is so upset at that, that he breaks his own shower really did it for me. I got a little annoyed at that scene in terms, I thought it was really well set up from Rip Torn's perspective, like him coming in. But from an audience perspective, I... I didn't know what Tom Green was doing at all. Like, I don't know why his character was at that space. Like, I'm doing this. Like, all the other crazy stuff he does, I somewhat understand, like, him pretend, like him going to the restaurant to impress the girl by pretending this. Like, I understand that. But that it was just, like, it felt like Tom Green had a wacky scene and he wanted to put it in the movie. Mm. He, Even wanted though, to, he wanted to try out a new job. The scene was well-constructed, 
in the actual thing, but I didn't understand, like, what the fuck is Tom Green thinking of? But it, it didn't put me in the dad's headspace well enough of terms of, you know, when you have that where your character who's normal walks into a crazy situation and we're experiencing, like, that character going, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. We kind of had that, but Tom Green doesn't explain himself in any way that I felt uh, he was fully, justified the character. He was fully in playing make-believe, yeah. But it was a very funny scene. I love, yeah, I love him throwing him and him being like, get the, get the hell out of my school for soon. <laughs> smashes him. Um, Reese, what about you? Any particular moments? There are a couple of moments for me. Um, Go on. This is a fancy restaurant. This that, is a fancy restaurant. <laughs> this is and a then fancy. he's just squirting his dad with like <laughs> stuff. I, <laughs> I like in that scene too when you had uh, Rip Torn making fun of the fancy guy who's like, "Where's the where's the toilet or whatever?" And then he's like, "It's on the other side of the restaurant." So and then him impersonating him <laughs> gives a nice little window into oh that's why Tom Green's like this, huh? <laughs> and the nail gun scene. Um, just I liked. It was a well-set-up gag of just, like, he's hammering it first to the skateboard park, and then, like, oh, it's a bit loud. Don't you think a nail gun is, like... Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) And then Rip Torn just rips into him, essentially. That's what he does in the whole movie. He just rips into Tom Green's character. Sometimes he tears into him. Not all the time. There are those moments in which he's, like... He made Daddy proud. (laughs) Those are the other moments. You have the four sentimental moments where he's, like... Of course you're going to have... In fact, take a hundred dollars. <laughs> but then then it will be like, I'm going to kill you! <laughs> um, And I did like zebras in America. Oh, I love zebras in America. My hooves! <laughs> <laughs> Look at my hooves! <laughs> yeah, that, that is a great moment. Me, my favorite moments came from the... What feels like the very meta commentary moments, because... One of the things we'll talk about is, is 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 this a secret meta masterpiece or not? Uh, the joke that made me... A statement, I guess, that made me laugh the most. I, I, I almost fell out of my chair laughing. No joke. Almost fell out of my chair laughing. I'm not exaggerating. Anthony Michael Hall is so wowed by um, Tom... No, no, he's... Tom Green trying to woo him the second or whatever time when, when the dad, before Rip Torn comes in and... No, rips his up last the scene, then. Yeah, one of his last scenes. And um, he's impressed with the drawings, he's impressed with the zebras in America, and um, Tom Green does something, starts screaming or doing something crazy, or he says something stupid, like, and and, and, and Anthony Michael's like, yeah, 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 well, you know, they're not, they're not mermaids, you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what made me laugh was Tom Green says something, and Anthony Michael Hall just snaps, not, like, angrily, but snaps like he's a real person for a moment, and says, okay, you can drop the act now. And All it right, felt yeah. like, it felt like the movie coming alive and being like, okay, we can drop this now, yeah, right? That was, that was after Tom Green was apologizing for his dad's <laughs> behavior. And it, I, I lost it. It felt like such a meta moment where it's like the movie's like, okay, you can, we can drop the act that this is like a like a character thing happening here, right? And it just, I don't know, it cracked me open. It just like, it split me apart with laughter. Just the way Anthony Mike Hall delivered it. And it's so nonchalantly done. And Tom Green's reaction on his face, it just, I, I don't know why. And I really liked, uh, of course, earlier when Anthony Mike Hall was like, it makes no fucking sense, all right? Like, what the fuck is going on here? And he's like, so fucking angry. And you know, you know, you know that some suit or the former director of the movie, there was another director of this movie who left because he had creative differences. 
that director or some producer must have walked up to Tom Green and said, what the fuck is going on here? You need structure. You need to actually care about the characters. You, you know that's probably what I, went on. Can I just say, I love the thought <laughs> that there is a man out there, or whoever the director is, with the title of the director who had creative differences with Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that you have creative differences with Freddy Got Fingered. It's you have creative differences with Tom Green. Yes, but the the name Freddy Got Fingered is the really big thing that lives on in people's names, and I think. Of course, my favourite recurring gags, gags, is any time they stoically keep repeating things over and over and over again. My personal favourite big, Freddy, cross your fingers for me, Freddy. Cross your fingers. And then Freddy crosses his fingers and he's like, say it, Freddy. I'm crossing my fingers. And he's like, pray that I get a jobby. <laughs> get, a, get a jobby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get a jumpy, and then Freddy saying, "You're gonna get a jumpy." <laughs> it's so stupid, but the the sheer dedication. Here's it. I get very upset when people say that uh, this is a poorly acted movie <laughs> because you can say it's poorly acted, but you can't say wholeheartedly. Or I disagree. That they aren't committed. Mm. Everyone is fucking 110% committed. Whether that's a good or bad thing, it's up to you. But Rip Torn is giving it his all. Oh, Tom yeah. Green is giving it his all. Uh, Freddy, Freddy, the guy who plays Freddy, he's giving it his all. Like All of them are really, really into this. So when you have the, the iconic scenes in which it's like, Make your daddy proud. It's funny because you can see that they are so committed to this... I don't know... Is it just obvious to us now in retrospect, where we look back 20 years later, that the daddy proud scene or the scene in which they're at the therapist's office and he's like, and then I wanted to get the sausages and he kept saying sausages over, that this is like a clear joke on the perfunctory nature of these scenes in these traditional movies? Is this just something that is like we're reading this into it now all these decades later and if we saw it at the time and we were at the ages we are would we just not have recognized this or what what do you think is this just something that's like it was too cryptic at the time or are we just looking at it too hard i think the fact that we do have some context elevates the film a bit like i enjoyed the film first time i watched it even though i was completely blind to it i did not know about tom green's mm. history or his show I barely remember the fact that he's mentioned in The Real Slim Shady. That was like the first mm-hmm. thing. was like, oh, he was mentioned in a line and in that. And it plays at the end. And it plays in the credits. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think it was the Red Letter Media video, the, yes. which is at a, a huge seed for this episode, I think. Um, yeah. They mentioned that context of they gave the guy who made- A stupid the, show. The stupid show- a bunch of money to do to make a movie that's in the same vein and as it or like to make a film that he would make yeah. knowing that he made that show so of course it turned out so when we say the word incomprehensible we mean so like him so like what he yeah, would do yeah i uh, i can't imagine in the landscape we're in now in hollywood a studio big studio giving a wacky weirdo comedian like him this amount of money and creative liberty and freedom i can't imagine that to do a movie like that this is reminding me of that video you made for that other Holland williams film we did on unappreciated masterpieces oh uh, sorority boys yeah <laughs> but like i can't imagine i can't imagine a freddie got fingered getting made today and i don't mean that in a like oh it's so terrible but like the idea of like 
like this random weirdo like it's can you imagine if, giving a chance to someone who's on what was it like public access can you imagine if a youtube random comedian like video game donkey got to be allowed to make a movie for for like disney that would be fucking crazy nonsense. Yeah, when people review, like, movies that are made by YouTubers and stuff, isn't there always, like, an air of, like, oh, this is kind of lame? Yeah, yeah. and it's like, but but it's because they do it on their own. Mm. Or they do it through other means. But can you imagine if Logan Paul got handed the millions of dollars from Disney or, or, or Warner Brothers and was told, now make your comedy any way you want. I can't imagine it. Even mm. with someone with better credentials than that stupid Logan Paul. Like, Tom Green was talented. He is talented. I, I don't... I Like, I think the guy, um, when he was doing this type of comedy, fell back onto some of the obvious things, like the screaming. Mm-hmm. It's not the highest of brow things. Of course it isn't. It's very low brow. Um, but that doesn't mean he, has, he didn't have talent. And we've said this before. He was a pioneer in a lot of ways. He was doing all of this stuff before a lot of other people were doing it. Like the man on the street stuff, this, this, uh, pranking type of humor for a TV show and the way that he was doing it, his faux interview show and in which is like a crappy interview show where he, unlike Eric Andre, he actually had a live audience that he would antagonize. Eric Andre doesn't. He just has his studio. But he actually had a live audience that he would, like, grab a lamb's head and throw it at them. Like, shit like that. So I can't get angry at Tom Green for making Freddy Got Fingered because it's like, well, what else would he make? Could you imagine if he made the traditional Adam sandler movie? You don't want that. And you know how we do know that? Because that's Sasha Baron Cohen. Whenever Sasha Baron Cohen doesn't make the things that we want from him, we don't like them. Nobody gives a shit about the Ali G movie. Nobody gives a shit about the dict uh, the dictator, mm-hmm. right? Nobody gave a shit about Brothers Grimsby or Grimsby, even though that one was like off the wall crazy as well. But like, because they're not what we want from them, you know. We want the Ali G. We want Ali G to do what he did in the show, but in a bigger, grander context of a movie, and that's what the Borat movie did. Borat the the Borat movie elevated him that little character into something substantial. A huge phenomenon, yeah. But he got to do it on his own terms. See, Tom Green is being forced, and that's how a part of the movie feels. It feels like, the better context of, it feels like a lot of it is, this is Tom Green reacting to being forced to do the gross-out comedy structure. Like, in this scene where he's begging, he's just begging Anthony Michael Hall to give him a shot. He's like, how would I end this scene? Just putting a gun in my mouth and threatening to kill myself. <laughs> right? And the scene, I, the iconic scene in which he's going through all the money he's blown through and how he's blown through it and the justifications for why he's blown through the money. Like, I had to spend it on the jewels. The jewels, the helicopter, and I think one other thing. And this, yeah. the, the tearing up my dad's house. Right, yeah, yeah. Sending it to Pakistan. And all my money's gone. And all my money's gone. <laughs> easy come, easy go. <laughs> but okay. the, the problem is, like, say, uh, the topic of getting, um, say, YouTuber a big Disney deal, right? Yeah, yeah. What would happen is, it, it's probably been done before by another company, right? Yeah, yeah. That said, all right, you're trending big time at the moment. Yeah. You go make the movie under our terms. And they'll say yes, because it's a fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. So they'll make the movie, and that's the pinnacle of their, um, 
the way it works of the, the pinnacle of the career and it goes downhill from there and then they may make a lot of money out of that movie but the common thing is it goes down in popularity after that and the, the deal is not as fruitful for the company so that's yeah. so that's why they won't do it because it's they'll just get like one good movie out of it well, not a good movie per se. It'll be just. It's probably... a movie being made while the iron is hot. Yeah. Right. And there won't be any franchises beyond that. And unlike. Well, Fred got three movies. But. Who? Fred, the YouTube sensation. Who's Fred? Oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> so. Could you give me an idea? No. <laughs> so another thing I want to talk about too is Tom Green in this film, Freddy Got Fingered. I know it's his only film he made properly, mm-hmm. but. He also has something that you don't see a lot of now unless you've been in the game for, like, decades, which is he is an auteur of comedy in a feature film setting. You don't have it unless you got Trey and Matt coming around and they're like, oh, or you got a uh, fucking um, Judd Apatow and crew. But, like, you don't have a lot of comedy auteur filmmakers in the traditional Hollywood format as mu- as prevalently as these days. And if you do, they've been in the biz for like 30 years. They've been working their ass off. You don't have ones that just happen to have a public access show and you fucking hand them the keys. This is a really good point, yeah. You don't have that. <laughs> no. You don't have that. You don't have fucking... Control. No, you don't have Stark Reality make a movie. No, you... Have... <laughs> Who's Stark Reality? <laughs> a little-known YouTube sensation. I, like I recommend watching t- their video T. I love T. But I love T2. T2, uh, Judgment Day. <laughs> make that Stark. Okay, will do. You'll see it on Monday. So, Bartek, what do you think, though? Do you think that Tom Green is... This elaborate man who's crafting this, like, anti-comedy masterpiece in which he's taken the traditional structuring of these gross-out Adam Sandler-esque type comedies and injecting it with his? Or do you think he just tried to make a movie and he added his stupid sensibility into it? Do you think there's any actual artistic depth to it that many people do or do you think it is just he made a movie with his stuff in it i think it's a mixture of both he he wanted to make a dumb movie or he was given money to make a dumb movie and he thought why not also kind of make fun of you know cliche hollywood affairs like we have with the girlfriend scene and all that do you think though he by doing that if you think that do you think he was trying to make anti-art in terms of you don't make a movie to fail do you think he was trying to fail because that's, that's what you're saying question, is like you're yeah. determined to fail you're gonna have everyone hate this like the idea of having all oh, the kid gets horribly injured all the time like in that red letter media review uh jay talks about this that when he saw it on opening day or uh, the theater the moment that the audience turned on the movie is when that kid fell over and he's face was bleeding when he hit profusely. the car like tom green's making it for who you know like is he making it for the audience is he making it for himself like if he is doing it like a mixture he must have known it was gonna fail or did he that's the thing do you think he had any clue that this was going to be as maligned as it was if he did was he reveling in that idea because there are many comedians many creators who revel 
in in the 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 uh, vitriol of it all. But do you think he had that? I think maybe. Obviously, there are things you could point out here, but maybe it didn't apply to him. Maybe he just had nothing to lose, and he thought it would be a funny thing to do. Like, I mean, he lost his career. If he, I mean, yeah, he loses <laughs> his career, and he loses like good faith with Fox or whatever. But maybe he didn't care about that. Yeah. What do you think, Reese? Where do you fall on on Tom Green, master genius, or just doing his thing and people are reading too much in? Both. You're Bartek. You're both. Well, the thing is, no matter what. I think Bartek brought up a very good point, and I've done some Ooh. I've done some overthinking whilst we've been talking. Yes, let me stroke my chin. Yeah, I shall stroke my as well. He did. Uh, I can confirm. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned the word id. Oh yeah, I did at some point. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I id at some point. Um, I think it's an id masterpiece, and mm. no matter what, intentional or unintentional, because the pl- what the plot is basically, you know, he's trying. To you know, move him on and make his dad proud. Proud, proud, <laughs> proud. Um, but it just fails, um, and it goes to extreme lengths and extreme comedy set pieces yeah. to to you know um, keep the movie running. But the id section, I think, is a really smart label to attach to this movie. Because we're all trying, in a way, to impress our fathers. <laughs> oh, you're bringing a psychological aspect to this. Yes. What is I- this? It's, an ice- it's an iceberg theory now. Uh, <laughs> yes. Now, Reese. Yes. As, as uh, David Cronenberg's film, A Dangerous Method, famously said, have you thought about the penis at all? Yes. Okay, cool. Where does that factor in? Well, there was one early in the film and one late in the film. I mean, a, she wanted to suck his cock. A horse and <laughs> Those were unseen. But oh, still... those were the unseen bits of the film. Yeah, and we got to see the umbilical cord that he taped to himself. That was weird. That was a moment where I was like, <laughs> I genuinely was like, is this saying that he either... At first, I was like, sorry to derail you, Reese, but I was at first, I was going, whoa, 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 whoa. Are they saying that he his umbilical cord never fell off? But then I was like, oh, are they saying that he just taped the one that he bit off before to himself? Oh, no, that's what happened. Okay. Was he intending for anyone to see that? Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. He just wanted some memorabilia from his but you were, ordeal. You were saying it's an iceberg. We're seeing the tip with the id. Well, you've seen the other the other end. Actually. Yeah, the bottom actually. Sorry, the yeah. ugly bottom in this movie in regards to maybe don't, how. Don't it's... say that about Rip Torn's ass. <laughs> it was beautiful. Well, did, somebody loved did, it. Did we see Rip Torn's ass in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want to fuck that, your daddy? That was the thing that made Ryan stop watching it the first time. Oh, remember? You want to fuck your daddy? If right. you want to see Riptorn's penis, uh, you can watch The Man Who Fell to Earth, starring David Bowie. I see. Uh, he sees but penis in there. Yes. I'd, I'd say, no matter what, it's an id masterpiece. It is the bottom of the iceberg. It is the hairy five o'clock shadow. And, but do you think that that's what Tom Green was going for? See, that's the problem. <laughs> we don't know. And we'll probably never know. I look at it like this. I don't think Tom Green was trying to be this surrealist, dadaist, masterclass manipulator. I think he was just doing a simple thing, which is, I'm going to take this script, whether he wrote it himself or he got an old one, whatever it is, I'm going to take the stock standard Hollywood comedy script and I'm going to inject it with... My comedic sensibilities, which is uh, anarchic, angry, melodramatic, insincere, to highlight how stupid these comedy movies really are. And I'm, 
I don't want to be dismissive of people who don't like this movie, but I think it's that weird thing of, it's a mixture of, I think it comes across to me as he made something that was crystal clear to him in his mind. And when I watched it, it was clear to me. But it came across as something else to other people. We've seen this happen many a times in in our own creative fields where you've made something, it's so clear to you what you've made, or someone's made something and you've heard what it is and you see it or experience or other people see it or experience and they completely get something different from it. And you're like, "I, I just, but can't you see the daddy proud scene? And, but they're like, yeah, but the horse whacking off scene, Tom. Um... And that's where I go. And then you have, because of that, then you have people like us or others who are then going to the other extreme where it's like, no, no, Tom's this master master genius who's like doing all of this. I think it's somewhere like, again, in the middle where I just think he made a film that he thought was going to be subversive, obviously, shocking, yes, funny, yes. But I think he just was like, I'm going to crank up these obvious elements in these movies that piss me off and it's going to be obvious to people and it wasn't apparently people didn't get that the kid getting injured and there's actual consequences is a commentary on those sidekicks in these comedy movies or those side characters that get horribly injured but we never see the consequences it's obvious to me when i watch it or it's obvious to me what rip torn is supposed to be in this movie the um angry dad who is disapproving of the son but also loves them ever so dearly that that weird yin and yang effect that we've seen in like that 70s show isn't that just isn't this just red foreman turned into an insane person because mm-hmm. there's so many times in that 70s show where i get lost for why red even even likes eric at all because there are moments where he likes him because it's, it's his son i remember yeah there was a moment where he said i love you and eric was like can you say that again <laughs> yeah and to me, that's where I come onto it. I don't think it's a Dardarist surrealist masterpiece of any sort by design. Maybe it's fallen into that. I think Tom Green just wanted to to make a movie, po- poke fun at what it is, whether he is. Um, and I do think there is obvious meta commentary stuff of the of the joke of him being able to make a movie, but I don't think he intentionally set out to fail. I think he tried to do his best, and people just didn't get it. And people are getting it now, whether it's justifiable or not. But I think people are more in tune with his vision because we have seen now all of these things. Without Tom Green, you wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't have um, the the Jackass Boys. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't have them. You wouldn't have Eric Andre. You wouldn't have stuff that Tim and Eric or Neil Hamburger, a lot of those guys, or in the way that we see them now. Um, yeah, he's a pioneer. Um, so ahead of his time and misunderstood. Yeah, but I'm not saying boo-hoo for him. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> um, but I think he's a, I think he's a, a smart enough dude, um, but I don't think he's a super genius like Sasha Baron Cohen. I think Sasha Baron Cohen is like crystal clear up there in the brain i think he knows what exactly he's doing but i think tom green he knows what he's doing but it just doesn't translate fully for everyone well well sasha brown cohen he may offend people but i think we can all say that it's pretty clear what he's trying to do with his material oh yeah yeah it's always presented in the way he intends um pointing out the ridiculousness in others by being a ridiculous person himself and 
whatever he's acting. Does this work as a movie, though? That's the thing. Does Freddy Got Fingered, like, this whole thing that Tom Green did or is doing, like, does it make... Because Reese keeps saying, oh, this scene is, is making it so that the movie can run on, indicating that... And you said even... I, I can't remember if it was in the recording or before, like, this patchwork of a movie, you said. Does this work as a feature film? Or is this something that should have just been some kind of other project? Just... It own. I think it only just works. Only just. It, it's a thin thread, but it it holds. Bartek. The thought of this playing in a in a movie cinema with like a huge audience is a really bizarre thought. Like I've always <laughs> just thought of this film as being like, you know, you're watching it on your own. You're watching it with a group of friends. But yeah, just thinking about the fact that this was released by Fox it in has full happened, cinema. Yeah. This came out the same year as Zoolander. Yeah. And Roger Ebert remembered this one more. Yeah, and we know what he said about Zoolander, given yeah. the year it came out in. <laughs> yeah, nine eleven. This isn't the type of film to be released. At, uh, but Bartek, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> it's tough. It he's, is. It is tough. I. Bartek's Bartek's done, ladies and gentlemen. He's, he's done. done. He's retired. He's done. Reese is the new host. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, he'll. Yeah, I don't. I yeah. I I. I. It's it's tough. <laughs> I know, I know it was released in cinemas, but it just it just doesn't feel like it should have been. I guess isn't that great? Yeah, it's so funny. should have been a direct to video deal. You reckon? I was I was thinking that, but I'm like, does it? No, no, no. Maybe. I don't think so because no. okay. I think it needed to be a theatrically released movie because it's poking fun so much at those. And if it's a straight-to-video one, straight-to-video comedies have their own type of things going on. And if Tom Green's got a straight-to-video one and it's like making fun of the theatrical one, that could have worked. But I think it, it is so much fucking funnier that you've got like 20th Century Fox comes up and you have Slim Shady plays at the end and you have like the proper logos at the end and it competed with real movies. I think it works as a film. I do believe that it is weakened by things missing in it. I do wonder if this would be more cohesive if there were some elements dropped in there that are obviously supposed to be in there. I think it does fall into a patchwork-esque degree because of that. There are just moments where it's like, this is here and this is here, and they don't really gel together like they could. But to me, it's like I can visualize in my brain that there's this scene that must be there. And then you read the behind the scenes, and it's like, oh, yeah, that scene does exist. It's just we don't get to have it. Um, Would you guys recommend it? Yes. Yes. I I would. Um... On the basis that I think everyone has, if you are a movie aficionado, hear this, Bartex mum. What? She's a movie aficionado. All right, if you are a movie aficionado, I do think you need to see this movie. Hear that, Bartex mum? Sit down and watch (laughs) the thought of that. (laughs) Do you do you want to watch? Do you want to help her watch this movie? Oh, here's, here's an idea. To get your mum ready for Freddy Got Fingered, because this is now the pitch of the show, is let's pitch that Bartek's mum on Freddy Got Fingered with her sons. Um, how about you set up the mood, 
you get the Virgin Marys all all ready and clean, <laughs> and the elephants all in a neat little row. Play Reese's band's music just to get her in the vibe space, <laughs> and um, then put on Freddie Got Fingered. Now you got a night. Now we have a night. <laughs> now we have a night. Wait, wait. Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine if your mother, <laughs> if you were like, if time worked a different way, took you to the cinema? And said, oh, I'm, we're going to see this new movie. It's a comedy movie. Oh, what's it called, Mama? Freddy Got Fingered. And you saw Freddy Got Fingered at the cinema with your mum. Would she have survived? Well, the, th- the interesting thing is we brought up... We- <laughs> I don't think so, but we brought up the Adam Sandler thing before, and we, like, growing up, we enjoyed, like, some of those yeah. Adam Sandler movies, like, Big Daddy. I know you hate that one, you I hate a lot that. of them, but we did enjoy those kind of films, Fuck, so... this movie feels like a response to Big Daddy, where Big Daddy's one of those fucking <laughs> movies where it's just, like, it's gross and appropriate, but then it's like, oh, but look, a small child, doesn't that humanize him? Fuck you. <laughs> See, that one offends me more than Freddy Got Fingered. Freddy Got <laughs> Fingered is like, it's not even trying to be that. But fucking that one is just like, but Adam Sandler likes kids now. He's our kids. He didn't like them at the beginning, but now he likes them. Doesn't that mean something to you? Fuck you. Fuck off. I would ask, does your mum know about the existence of Freddy Got Fingered? She must. I honestly don't know. Well... I'll that's te- a that's I'll- a question. I'd love to be there when you say to your mother the words, "Mum, do you know about Freddie Got Fingered?" Which she just stared at you, being like, "Who's Freddie?" You know what? <laughs> I Mer- think- Mercury. I'm sure she's. <laughs> I'm sure she's seen my DVD re- lying around, but I don't know if she knows about it. You know, what you need to do. You need to. You need to. You need to put it in a nice little uh, wrapping. Maybe like a birthday type one. Do, uh, mail it to yourself, but to her, mm-hmm. and give like an anonymous name <laughs> on it. So it's like from Peppy Lupu, and then she's like, "Oh, that <gasps> makes it worse." I could save some. <laughs> wait, wait, no, even better from Tom Green. <laughs> I could save some cost by just having it returned to the sender. Exactly, yeah. and then she'll be even more doubly confused. Where she's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" It was said. <laughs> this is great. You have the chief of police on the phone with her, which is like, "I got this DVD," and then they say, "Bartek's mum," because that's her name. Bartek's mum. It was sent from inside the house, and she's like looking around, like, from inside the house. This is a Tom Green scene, by the way. We're she, already making. She it. looks at all the like other people that live there, me and my brother, and she's like, "Who was it?" Would you recommend it, Bartek? Um, if you haven't seen it before, but you are interested in in interesting different types of movies, you should see it just to see if it will be one that gels with you. And if you watch it and you feel like you didn't hate it, I would recommend watching it again. Uh, I, I recommend it. Yeah. I think it works. I think it's funny. I think that if you can tolerate shit like Step Brothers or The 40-Year-Old Virgin or um, Knocked Up, or any of those kind of 2000s man-child forced sentimentality bullshit movies, you can definitely handle Freddy Got Fingered. I would watch Freddy Got Fingered on repeat for an eternity before I ever would want to watch Step Brothers again. Ever fucking again. See, I to me, 
This film has more of a clear point it's trying to make. Step Brothers, to me, has always felt like... Hence, I'm recommending it for next episode. <laughs> no, 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 please. Uh, I think... Freddy Got Finger it, right? has more of a clear point that it's making, and Step Brothers always felt like it was a series of improvised scenes. Because that is what Will Ferrell's career is. Let's keep improvising and use the best takes and string them together into something. Um, yeah, I... I, I hear what you're saying. I just think that a second viewing is the point where you're actually going to be getting stuff from it. I think the first viewing is going to be a very reactionary kind of thing. Yeah. Of you're seeing what this film was, and then when you return to it a second time, like you have here, Ryan, maybe then you'll be able to like actually think about it a bit more. I, I, I think one of the da- damned things about the movie is we only say this because it has a reputation. Yeah. If you just watch this movie and you're into these adult comedies and you just watched it and you didn't know anything about it, I think you would still be entertained. But I only dropped out of the movie the first time because I knew of its legacy. And I was very much like, oh my god, is this another fucking Step Brothers type of deal? I didn't give it a chance because I did have my bias about what it was. And I, when watching these bad movies on my own, like... When I tried to watch Birdemic, I was on my own. Mm. Can't get through them. If I watched Freddy Got Fingered with a group of people, under the pretext that it was a really bad movie, I would have got through it and I probably would have enjoyed it. But I watched it on my own. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you watch The Room on your own... It's terrible. It's insufferable. But you watch it with a group. But if I did watch Freddy Got Fingered on my own without knowing the context of it, I think I would have enjoyed it. Um, because I think I would have been more um, on the movie side. Because I'm, whenever I pop on a movie, I'm on the movie side. I don't pop on a movie and I'm like, I'm going to hate watch this. But you're, you're waiting for the turning point if you're going to hate especially, it. Especially, uh, like, if I don't know anything about it. Like, yeah. if I do know something about it, like, if I'm ever going to watch Batman v Superman again, I'm definitely going to be like, oh, fuck. But with this, I did know stuff, so I was on the oh, fuck side. But if I didn't know, if I don't know a movie and I pop it in... I'm going to be, I'm on the side of, I want this movie to work for me and win me over. And I think I would have given it a chance, but well, I, did, I knew its reputation. On, for my viewing, when I first watched it, I did watch it on my own. And really, I didn't know that much about it. I didn't mm. know that it was going to be like this gross out thing of like, dumb, really dumb stuff is going to happen. And I did enjoy it. Yeah. And I did also have the similar thing of, I didn't enjoy Birdemic as much when I watched it the first time on my own. Then when I watched it with Reese, I really grew to appreciate it. Yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of like recommending licorice to people. Black licorice, yeah. Black licorice. Yeah. I could recommend red licorice to many people. Yeah, but not black licorice. Black licorice can get a hell. Yes. It can with the black jelly beans. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's my recommendation, and I've been struggling because it's like, what do you recommend after Freddy Got Fingered? Because I like I have a list of movies. Like I want to talk about the. Bl- like Blade Runner, the final cut at some point, but like I can't fucking recommend that after doing Freddy Got Fucking Fingered. Do, do you know, you, like, like, where, do always, where, where do you go? Do you always base your recommendations off of mine? No, but sometimes. But this one's so extreme. But sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Like, sometimes there's a mood. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That you get, like, when, uh, you know, you do a certain director, you might be inspired to then, oh, I want to do another autor director or well known, you know. But. Oh, yeah, like last time it was like childhood classic, now it is childhood classic. 
yeah, or true story, true story again, you know, like a real life story. But this, yeah. it's like, Freddy Got Fingers is one of those ones where it's just like, it's like when, you know when we did the Neon Demon? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I followed up with Mulholland Drive because Mulholland Drive is a movie that I had a similar feeling that you did to the Neon Demon. Yeah. And I, that was like, there you go. But Reese recommended that movie, and it matched not only for a horror month, but also just in tones. But like this, like, how do you fucking follow up Freddy Got Fingered? It's like, this is the most cursed I've ever been. But I'm going to follow it up with something that's stupid, mm-hmm. but I think um, universally beloved. Um, definitely in our age demographic. And it's something that Bartek and I have been definitely wanting to talk about. And I mentioned it before in a way, uh, Kung Pao. That was what I thought. I need to rewatch Kung Pao. It's been too long since I've heard in real form, Betty. <laughs> see, um, see, a bit of backstory for this episode was I promised Ryan I would pick this at some point because he was so keen on, you know, revisiting it. And he promised, yeah, I'll pick Kung Pao at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Kung Pao. Does it have a full name? Kung Pao Enter the Fist? Some, yeah. Enter the Fist, yeah. Yeah, Kung Pao Enter the Fist. I thought it was that, but I couldn't remember if that was Double the Fist, Enter the Fist. <laughs> but, uh, so we're we doing that. Reese, a pleasure to have you back on the show. Could you tell us all about your band? I keep mentioning your band, but I didn't say the name of your band. Or, and you got music that people can readily listen to if they want those evil vibes. Yes, uh, we are. So my band's name is The Eagles. We are on all <laughs> current streaming services, Spotify, dude, Apple Music. Dude, I fucking music. hate The Eagles. Get the fuck out of my cab. But right, but Reese, it's your favourite line from that film. Yeah. It is. Um, all right. What What's is your it? band's name? Oh, shit. Oh, no. Okay. Did yeah. he it begins with Yeah, no, 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 no. I didn't forgot his own Iscarian. We were called Iscarian. We are a death metal band based in Melbourne. Uh, we have currently an album out called Pillars of the Faith. You can check out on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp, and Google Play if you'd Pillars like. Pillars of the Faith. Pillars of the Faith. Not wow. pillows of the faith, mm. pillars of the faith. Somebody in Reese's family thought it was called Pillows of the Faith and thought, hmm, that's a weird gay album in which it's about a repressed Christian man biting into his pillow. <laughs> oh, no, no, God. No. I can imagine, well, I can is, imagine the album cover already. Is there a song? Why the- is he biting the pillow? <laughs> is the- well, so he doesn't scream when he gets it up the ass. <laughs> well, one of the, one, isn't one of the songs called Lust? Yes. So that can work. Matt, did you get inspired by the movie Seven? No, no. Are we, you Kevin Spacey? No. We were, oh, let me ask we that were... again. Are you the character played by Kevin Spacey? No, no. Oh, so you are Kevin Spacey. <laughs> no, I'm not Kevin Spacey. We That's were what in, Kevin Spacey we, would say. We were inspired by just the fact that there are seven sins that are just classified as evil, which is... Ah, so the album has all seven? We have all seven, but oh. we, are, we, are giving them, we are giving them the argument otherwise. Ah, that sounds like a, a way to do it. Bartek, what's your band called? Um, we are called Iscarian Spelt Backwards. We just released a band uh, based on the Seven Virtues. Called the Pillows of the Faith. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it, listening people. It's been a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure talking. You can find us on those social medias, Facebook, Twitter. We post on there. You can hit us up with all your thoughts on Freddy Got Fingered there and or at our email, which is... Spitandpolished at gmail.com. Well... I think we've uh, got to end this episode by eating some roast beef. 
Oh, that very was nice, but just boring. I love the way Rip Torn delivered that line. <laughs> you know where he's just like, "You get out of it. You either go to your room or eat that roast beef." <laughs> <laughs> There were so many moments where it's like his voice turned into some creature. I was like, what the fuck's he saying? <laughs> All right, rip, rip, torn. Rip, rip, torn. Rip, rip, torn. Rip, rip, torn. And for all our listeners, you go to those social media platforms and we'll go home. <laughs>